Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to this episode of the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Alex Evans, one of Bike Radar's technical editors. And today I am joined by the oracle of mountain bike knowledge, <laughs> senior, senior, I'm going to give you an extra title, just like Tom does, <laughs> senior, super technical editor in chief extraordinaire. I've added a few extras as well. Robin wow. Weaver. How are you today, Rob? I'm good. Although now I feel like I've been so bigged up. I'm just destined to fail. Everything <laughs> from this point onwards is just going to be the poor listeners just disappointing. Well, if you start big, then what? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, start big, keep keep going bigger, maybe, <laughs> or, or slowly t- taper down. <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, at, at least like people are hooked in for maybe the first fifteen seconds. Well, it was a, it was a great ploy. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so uh, not much, not much uh, forethought there, but um, you know, whatever. We'll just do, we'll deal with it. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you're good, Rob. I guess you're guess you're all good. Yes. Yeah. We've been busy. I mean. Uh, in fact, you and I have both been riding, I'm going to say the same thing that we're not allowed to talk about, mm. which is very cool and very big news. Yes. It, it will is. be at the end yeah. of this month. Yeah. Keep keep tuned. Exactly. It is very cool. It's really hard to talk about it because we really can't give anything away, can we? No, we are bound by uh, medieval torture to keep our mouths completely sealed, except for all of these weird little kind of strange clues that we're not really giving but teasing people <laughs> so yeah there's that uh and then yeah i've got loads of bikes to test which is kind of cool it means you get to ride the spectral ks from canyon so you know with mm. the steering stabilizer thing that's a very interesting bike i also have the new trek supercaliber a Ooh. full-on xc bike yeah so i should be uh Don in the Lycra and uh, I was going to say sprinting around the woods, but I'm not going to be sprinting around the woods and I probably won't <laughs> put the Lycra on either, but I will be trundling around the woods, <laughs> wondering why anyone wants to ride a bike with so little, uh, so little travel, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will amaze me uh, and mystify me in equal measures. Yeah. It looks good. Doesn't it? It looks, looks really good. Um, yes. Yeah. It, it should be a really cool bike. It's kind of really interesting way in which they've approached it a bit like specialized and it's you know i guess it's one of these things will it truly mark the end of the hardtail in mm. cross-country racing maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, have you watched uh, did you watch the, the racing from leger yet the, the cross-country yes i did yeah it was in that was really interesting i mean i, I know a few people had uh, had some tummy tummy bug issues yeah which ha- having actually lived in the in the port de soleil maybe i can lift up the curtain on some of that so Leger has um, um, 
I don't know. I don't know how to put this without being slanderous or maybe getting into some form of legal trouble. But basically, you think about Leger. It's on top of a hill, so the water drains down either side of the hill from Leger, mm-hmm. um, and I think they have to pump their water up to Leger basically. And uh, every time I've stayed in Leger for a prolonged period, I've also had tummy problems. Um, so I think maybe there might be something, you know, w- with the water there that the the riders aren't accustomed to. People who live there, absolutely no problem. You know, maybe there's some kind of thing in there that you know your your belly just gets gets accustomed to. Um, but every time I've been, I've also had tummy issues. So I think some of the riders there might have struggled from that. Anyway, that was a really anyway. long. Anyway, that was a really long way about saying. Did you notice Pauline Farron Prevo was obviously riding the hardtail, which she won the world champs on, no less. Yes, exactly. Yep, that's definitely worth mentioning. Um, but she she came third, I believe it was in in Leger in the in the XCO mm. in the end um, after you know having quite a, quite an impressive fight. But um, you know the, the 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 two people in front of her were on full suspensions. Yeah, who knows? Who knows where it's going to go? But I mean, it's kind of cool to still see hardtails out there and doing their thing. But maybe it's going to be. Well, or the site is going to be rarer and rarer as we yeah. move on, as the tracks progress and stuff like that. So anyway, Al, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Obviously, we've already mentioned that we're doing some super secret black ops stuff. Yeah, t- top secret, been wearing the ninja outfit slash ghillie suit. Uh, I, I don't know. Riding what, around uh, with a bed sheet over you with two yeah, little eyes exactly, cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Like a ghost, not yes, a ghost. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, a ghost. Yeah. Yes, uh, just blending into the into the background. Yeah, except for that, um, I've actually been riding Vitus's E Mythic LT. Oh, cool! For uh, another upcoming test, our Headliners Bike Test, which is a another you know a big one for us, where we where we get bikes from from different categories and brands and kind of say you know these are the ones you need to be looking out for coming coming into the future, and they're kind of defining the trends. Um, this one being mega affordable and, you know, mm. really impressive spec, enduro ready, it's 170, 160 mile travel, 170 at the front. Um, and it's got Chinese brand Bafang's motor, which is super spicy. Like it's, it's got some power yeah. to it. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Very impressed. And, you know, I've, I've, I've not looked after the bike at all. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's doing really well to be fair. It's doing really, really well. Ah, um, testing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, covered in mud. Oh, soaking wet. I'll oh, just put it in the garage. It'll be fine. <laughs> and you do regret that obviously the next time you get to it and it looks like a, looks like the, the Titanic. It basically look, looks like the Titanic on the bottom of the ocean, but. And it know. gets your kit dirtier than the ride almost yeah. just by <laughs> yeah. sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at it. So that's been really cool. And then, uh, yeah, ju- just, just plug it on. So that's me. That's me. Nice. Cool. Okay, so I think I, I can't. I think actually we introduced today's topic. Um, it's quite an exciting one, mainly because Rob and I are, are getting old now. But we kind of want to want to sort of hark back to the past, but with a with a modern tint. So we've kind of been scratching our brains and thinking about bikes from the past that we want reimagined. Um, now this is a super cool thing to do. I'm sure when. You know, you guys were were growing up or get first getting into bikes. There was like a an idolized model or brand, and you were like, "Holy moly, this is the bee's knees! This is the bike that defines all bikes." Obviously, you know, fast forward however many years it may be, fifty, ten, I don't know how old we are, one hundred and five. Um, <laughs> Pretty old, yeah. Some and, of and, us older than others are. 
well, yeah, this is also true. Um, <laughs> some of us look younger than others. You know, me, me being the one who looks, I'm, I'm, I look about 55. So <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> we'll just we'll, we'll deal with the blows. Um, and yeah, you know, so have, having a, a reimagined old school bike, you know, with modern modern bits, and we're, we're just going to run through our picks. Before I do that, one more little before. Um, please, if you like our podcasts, even if you don't like them, please let us know. We've got a dedicated podcast email, which is podcast at bikeradar.com. Please send us your thoughts, messages, whether that be love or hate. We don't mind. We want to hear from you, dear listeners. Um, and also, you know, if you fancy it, please leave us a little rating on your favorite podcast provider. I don't know if you can do stars or, you know, thumbs up or whatever. But if you can, give us one of those. We'd love it. Absolutely love it. And obviously get in touch if you have ideas of old bikes that you'd like to see brought back to life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, maybe we could do an article on it one day. Or maybe you disagree with all of our picks and want to let us know and know why we're wrong. Yeah. But we're not. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think we're we're (laughs) absolutely spot on. (laughs) Yeah, bang on the money with these ones. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so, Rob, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're going to go first with your top pick. Please tell me, what is it? Well, I wouldn't say, I, I can't say it's a top pick. I, I would say they're all level pegging. But, okay. so in 1991, John Tomac, the famous John Tomac, signed with Legendary. Valley. Legendary. And so he'd been riding a ton of different bikes up until that point and had an idea of what he wanted made and what materials he wanted used. And Rally produced him a signature bike it was known as the Rally John Tomac Signature. It's a very, uh, probably the least imaginative name they could have come up with, but it very much uh, tells you exactly what it is. Uh, now, word is they only produced 10 of these frames. Wow. Yeah, so a little bit like uh, what we've seen with the Atherton bikes, the specialized um, prototype downhill bikes. This uh, signature bike used uh, Merlin titanium head tube and rear triangles, which were then bonded to Eastern C9 carbon-wrapped aluminium tubes. Wow, um, it's using... like you were there, mate. When you Were you in the R&D team? Blimey. Well, I mean, who, who just thought you could, uh, you know, just go on the internet and find out loads of information? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I kind of picked it because it looked super cool. And I and I mean, I had a picture of the bike on my wall when I was a kid. It was one of those ones that was just unbelievably cool. You know, John Tomac had the signature, you know, painted Troily helmets from back in the day. He was the man, wasn't he? He raced cross country. He raced downhill. I mean, his roots are in road riding, which is why when he first signed, the original build used drop bar bike. Uh, drop bar handlebars with with uh, a with a riser stem right yeah with a riser stem because yeah. he'd spent so much time in the road and was still riding uh i think he started uh riding for 7-11 maybe he was still part of that team and was going off and competing on the road so he didn't want his bikes to feel too dissimilar so that's why he used a a drop handlebar and then obviously as he became he sort of started to specialize in mountain biking the drop bar disappeared and he, he he had a regular flat bar over time uh i think that came courtesy of his longtime sponsor tioga who also made his did you ever see his tires mm. farmer john nephew yeah is that right 
Yeah. Yeah. I had some of those. They were cool. Oh, yeah. Nice. Grippy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing was grippy until you got onto Michelin's back then, was it? It yeah. all just rolled super fast and never wore down. Yeah. Perfect. Which was great when you're a kid and you have no money. Yeah. And like doing skids. Yeah. Or, or sliding off and just losing big chunks of skin. Yeah. You just don't care, do you? No. So, no, no, no. Anyway, that bike was super cool. And uh, the 1991 build had all sorts of stuff. Uh, he started, I think, on... I think he started on XT and then went on to prototype XTR a little bit later. He had one of the original uh, Manitou suspension forks. Mm. And, of course, it had the iconic Toyoga disk drive. Yeah, which... What a beaut. Oh, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Uh, those things in the wind easily yeah. just the most dangerous bike product you could put on. And and if you were to try and jump a bike, my Lord, if the wind caught you, you had no hope. You'd never land. Perfect for doing kickouts. Exactly, which he did a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> but the bike itself, I think the bike had a ludicrously steep head angle, over 70 degrees, 72, something like that. Mm. But just imagine, you know, there's hints of that bike already creeping into stuff that we're seeing nowadays. I already mentioned Atherton bikes and the specialized downhill bike. But imagine that coming back to life. And almost, I mean, we can go back to what we started when, when we were talking about hardtails in cross country. Get that back out there. Yeah. Or or make it into the ultimate gravel bike. Yeah. And yeah. get one of those guys to drop 10 grand on something like that. It's super fancy. It probably has about as much travel in the fork as a modern day gravel bike with a suspension fork. Yeah, definitely. So they're kind of already there, really. Man, such a cool bike. So iconic, you know, yeah. Properly sort of forward thinking in terms of materials and how it's all constructed and then just some of the coolest parts you've ever seen. Whether they worked or not, who knows? But I mean, it was just the coolest hardtail at the time, I think. In terms of like, you know, kind of idolizing your, your like your halo, your halo people, you know, John Tomac and your brands rally, you know, I mean, my God, and Tiger, you know, don't forget Manatee, all of them, Shimano. I just, mm. I'm just going to name, name every, every component manufacturer on the bike now, basically. Wow. What a thing to look up to. And, and I have got a John Tomac story if you want to hear it. Go on then. So this just basically reiterates just uh, how forgettable I am. So when John Tomac had the bike brand Tomac, which is what, you know, he, for his, before he retired, that's who he was, or all the bikes he was riding on when he was racing, he sponsored a few sort of US riders and a couple of international riders as well. When that, when that brand expanded and they were offering all sorts of different, you know, trail bikes, XC bikes, everything, they would come over and do um, like PR stuff. So him and Joel Smith. So Joel Smith is Malcolm Smith's son. So the super famous North American motocross star who's won absolutely everything. And those guys came over, came to visit us, took, I think it was, took, they took me and Doddy out for dinner. Mm. Went out for dinner. We spent a couple of days riding with those guys. You know, John Tomax smashing around Kum Khan at like a million miles an hour. Absolutely incredible. And they were staying in town and we went and met them for breakfast on their final day. And being the enthusiasts that Doddy and I were, or still are, we had pictures of Tomac for him to sign for us. Nice. I have mine. I still have mine. It's hung up downstairs in the loo, but still hung up. Yeah. yeah. 
And when he came to sign it, he's like, oh, what do you want me to sign? And I was like, oh, you know, whatever you want, just your name, whatever it is. Like, okay, but sorry, what's your name? I was like, oh, okay. Spent three days with you, but sure. (laughs) Easy to forget. Yeah. Not memorable at all. So I'm glad I had an impact on John. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Steering, steering the legends of the sport, Rob. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure now if I met him, he'd have absolutely no recollection. Not at all. Or maybe he thinks, oh yeah, I met a small monkey once when I went to Bath. A small monkey man that was, didn't really say much that was worth listening to. And uh, <laughs> was next to that really tall guy from GMBN Tech. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> X GMBN Tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, there's my Tomac story. Yeah, well, bless. I mean, easy come, easy go, right? But I am still friends with uh, Joel. Okay. He did remember me. That's nice. That's yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely a start for sure. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I mean, you know, that, that bike is incredible. I, I was actually with them um, whilst we're talking about other publications freely and openly. Um, D- Danny Milner from from NBR um, last night, and he actually had a picture of that exact bike on his phone that he took like, you know, I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago, just mm. as like a super fan kid. And there was actually a picture of uh, Joe Burt, MBUK's mint source comic artist kind of on the floor drawing a, a comic on, no on Danny's phone yeah super old school amazing stuff oh, amazing. oh yeah in fact while we were riding at Kumkan, one of the guys that owns I think one of these 10 frames or maybe there's more but he he must have spotted that, that we, we were there I think someone from work had put it up on Twitter that mm-hmm. we were with Tomac and this guy drove I don't know how far and he he arrived pretty much as we were packing up with the bike so Tomac could sign it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Popular man. Yeah. Well, I mean, understandably, right? Yeah, a bit of a legend, name really. Like that. Nice. Okay, uh, what about you? My first one, it's, it's not, quite as, uh, not quite as old school as the Rally Tomac, but I think probably in, in today's standards, it's still quite an old school bike. Uh, and I'm going with the, the Klein Mantra. Mm which was, you know, a, a, a bonkers looking thing, basically, even even, really e- even back then. Yeah. Um, think like vertical, try and think the like, not quite a box section, but a tubed, vertical tubed, single top and down tube for the front part of the frame. And then a triangle uh, rear swing arm. And, you know, the, this thing just looked out of this world. I think it was back in 1995 when it was when it was first launched, the alloy version. Um, and it basically had a URT design, which is a unified rear triangle. And that means that your pedal cranks um, are attached to the rear triangle, which, um, you know, <laughs> which doesn't it, exist today for a reason. No, it certainly does not. Um, I, I think I think maybe just a shout out to another old school bike. Um, and the most recent one that I can think of with a URT, at least that was ridden fairly. I mean, I'm going to say widely, but it's quite specific to the UK scene. And that's the the Mr. Big downhill bike. Um mm. <laughs> which also had a URT. And that was actually ridden to some some reasonable success, uh, which is, I think, more credit down to the riders than the bicycle itself at the British British Race Series, uh, the British BDS, British Downhill Series. Um, and some World Cups. It did do some World yeah, Cups. Yeah, as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that thing was made of steel, and it was a chunky old beast. Uh, anyway, about we, as much we, as a house, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. And yeah, I, I, yeah probably the same, same amount of raw materials in it as well. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, we're digressing. So the, the URT design basically means that your bottom bracket's attached to your swing arm. And this is brilliant for pedaling efficiency because, you know, except for your bum bouncing on the seat, um, there's, there's no like suspension, uh, there's no pedal induced um, squat or bob or anything. Um, you know, it just can't because the, the, there's a fixed distance between your bottom bracket and your and your cassette and your derailleur. Um, less good for absorbing bumps when you're stood up. Mm. Um, <laughs> kind of critical, but yeah. hey. Because <laughs> uh, uh, obviously all, all of your weight is uh, just attached to the swing arm. But, you know, the, the, this, the, so that the Klein Mantra had five five 5.3 inches of rear wheel travel. And the, the, the shock, yeah, it's quite a lot, really. It's quite a lot for 1995. Mm. That's quite, quite a fair chunk, yeah. And it was that uh, the shock was mounted vertically behind the behind the seat tube. Great in you know American Californian weather, you know beautifully sunny, dusty, warm. Not so good in Northern Europe, you know. I mean, I, I can't really comment on the serviceability of those old school shocks and stuff. But if you know my suspicions are correct, which I believe they probably are, you're not looking at long service intervals for those things. And I'm probably sure quite a few breakages. So, okay, so the, the, this alloy version was launched first and then later on a, the, the comp version, the Mantra comp came out, which was a, a carbon fiber front end. Um, I remember um, a dad's mate had one in, in this like shiny flip paint purple slash green color. Um, and it was just a thing of beauty. It was an absolute beautiful bike. And I, I just love to see it updated with, you know, modern geometry um, a similar looking frame. I think maybe you could you could just jig it around a bit so that it doesn't necessarily have a URT. You mean you don't want to have a URT anymore? No, I think <laughs> I think I think maybe I think maybe we could we could we could get rid of that. And you know, it it, it would be an amazing trail bike. I'm sure it would. You know, it it's kind of smacks of smacks of trail bike. And let's also not forget that whilst we're talking about like kind of the design and the layout of the frame, it was Trex Y frames. Mm. You know, because I'm I'm pretty sure uh, you might have to correct me here if I'm wrong, but was Klein not owned by Trek at one point? Were they not? Oh um, gosh, I'm not too sure. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, I think it's one for I Google. Think, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll Google it later, and uh, we we can we can get back to you on that, guys. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, Trek kind of had shared shared this sort of space age design at least on their on their Y frame bikes, and it kind of felt like the cusp of sort of evolution and, you know, technological craziness, basically, mm. um, like a, a complete boom in development. I, th I think mostly when I, was, when I was a younger lad, it was just the colour. It was just that colour. It was that purpley green. They were cool, green. weren't they? Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing looking things. Bring back Klein as a whole. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what, rather than just the one bike, if they could just come back. Yeah. They were the only people, I think, that you could confidently say that made colored bars and stems look mm. okay yeah 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 color yeah. matching as well with the frame yes yeah like. i don't think anyone else you, you know i think god was it early 2000s there was a there was a phase of people running yeah. like white bars yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yellow yeah. bars yeah no thanks yeah bring back klein they'll yeah. sort you out yeah definitely i mean our, our rose tinted glasses here are really you know Beautiful, Rose beautiful tinted. things. Yes, they are incredibly. Yeah, color matched. Not just the lenses, the frames as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So yeah, that, that's kind of. Uh, I'd, I'd just love to see it. I think it would just be like iconic name, iconic design. Uh, get rid of the URT, but you know, update it. Why not? Come on, Klein or, or Trek, maybe perhaps. Who knows? Could bring could it be, back. 
great for a high pivot design with that with that swing arm you know it's yeah. crying out for it there you go yeah you've done the work for them i mean basically all they have to do is everything else yeah well <laughs> that's the easy bit right exactly concepts done nailed yeah yeah i i mean I've, I've sketched something up i mean it, it does look like a a, a stick a stick figure but um sure make sure you get your make sure you get your uh, your royalties off the back of that yeah i saw it. i've already copyrighted it straight in <laughs> happy days yeah uh right okay so let's let's go to bike bike number three and we'll go back to you rob for this one okay so just like you i was a big fan of downhill racing and riding and all of that and i don't think you can look back at downhill without thinking about the sun radical plus so one of the most successful bikes of all time raced by some of the most iconic riders of all time nico vulios and caroline chauson cedric gracia michael Michael pascal yeah frank roman some huge names in there sabrina jonnier i mean it it's basically the who's who of french dh royalty isn't it yeah they all rode for them at some point i think yeah, when, when we visited the Olivier Bossard's factory, he had a bike of every world championships they won stacked up in the warehouse, like like the warehouse out of Indiana Jones at the end, you know? These dusty bikes just all racked up and it's like every single one has at least one world championship. And you're like, wow, okay. So the bike specifically is the, oh, it's like 99, 2000 maybe. So it's the... The bike designed by by Olivier Bossard, who I've already mentioned. So he was working with Sun and Max Commensal, who obviously is now the man behind Commensal Bikes, uh, alongside Nico Vulios, who was very instrumental in how these bikes were designed and developed. So the bike I loved more than anything was the it was the white frame with the twin top tube, yeah. all made from Columbus steel. Yeah, square, square as square. well. Square. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it looked different to pretty much everything out there. Very Moto-esque mm. in a lot of ways. The main pivot sits between, uh, with the shock sitting between the split seat tube, which is a, you know, a design that we're seeing more and more of these days again, because it helps, you know, structurally boost that stiffness around points where there could be some flex and give and, you know, with with suspension systems alignments key, you know, in order to make sure everything runs smooth. And again, it uses things like a trailer linkage, which sits down just behind the bottom bracket, yeah. which also helps with stuff like this. Uh, the high, the the main pivot was relatively high on that particular bike. They didn't have an idler, but I've, as uh, many people remember, when Nico moved over and created his own bikes, the V process, he did run an idler on that. The chain was rooted up high above that pivot and the 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 stock chainring on the radical plus was huge wasn't it i mean it was like it must be getting up to 50 teeth i think i think it probably varied yeah i mean it was big because the gap between the top of the ring and the the pivot doesn't look massive on Mm. some of the pictures i've seen i would say they're probably in the region of 44 plus Mm. i mean when they went you know back in the day when they raced the kamikazes you where it's kind of just bombing straight at like 60, 70 miles an hour. They were on like 50 plus, 56 maybe, two yeah. chain rings, which was insane. But yeah, even then, 
even back in like the late nineties, tracks were still really long and super fast. Mm. So they tended to run quite big rings. What was, what was really cool about this bike is that it was, it was truly built as one. It isn't, you know, maybe aside from the God rims and tires, I would imagine possibly the bar and stem. Most stuff was made specifically for sun at this point. So Bossard, Olivia Bossard made the fork and shock himself. Which was the abyss fork, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the fork back in 99 had about 170 mil of travel, which Mm. was quite a lot at that time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think the back end had 180 mil. It used a huge uh, coil shock with um, massive reservoir. So loads of oil in there. I think they could alter stuff like IFP pressures. They could just, you know, dial it in and, and tweak that. Um, I've no doubt there was all sorts of adjustments on the fork as well. Nico was also one of the first to be running data acquisition systems on his bike mm. back when they were super bulky and, and probably really hard to, well, you know, not just bolt on, but also in, in terms of the software and everything like that, it must've been pretty clunky compared to nowadays. But yeah, this bike was just so, at the time, it was just so far ahead of everything else. And when you speak to some of the riders, Fabian, Burrell, Gracia, all of those guys, they've told me that it was easily one of the best bikes they've ever ridden. It just stuck to the floor. Those things were just incredible. And then you couple amazing suspension with stuff like um, Michelin tires at the time, which were just the only ones you could have. If you wanted to compete and do well, you, you had to have Michelin tires. Yeah. They they were yeah. the best by far. I mean, they wore out after like two rides, but my Lord, they were incredible. Because they were kind of competing against like the Tioga factory DH, which which was cool and iconic, was was made of plastic. Let's, yeah, basically, let's be fair. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was, um, it was fighting, you know, those tires basically in anything but soft mud mm. were terrifying. But then you got on the the Comp 16s or the 32s or the 24s at the time. Yeah. And, oh, my Lord, those things just changed everything. I mean, they rolled so slowly, but they were incredible. I mean, I don't know all the figures in terms of the geometry stats, but I think the head angle was around 67 and a half degrees, okay. which is it, it's very steep by today's standards. But back then, when a lot of the bikes were based around... Um, pretty much cross-country bikes yeah it's you know it's kind of getting in the region of at least a bit more stable a bit better for high speed tracks yeah 450 mil chain stays which is long but obviously they were looking to try and center the riders in between the wheels the best they could all the cable was external in external externally rooted sorry just to make it easier for the mechanics to work on and i mean those guys were working on their bikes constantly nicker was renowned for (laughs) wanting his spoke tension changed all the time just to try and eke out as much grip as possible without it feeling too vague and um blamongy i suppose when he was pushing hard and he yeah he he did actually tell me he reckons he probably would have won more if um he didn't test so much oh, right he really if yeah, he didn't wow. try changing so many different things yeah. but it's also what made it so iconic so cool the fact that you had this bike that it was a, it was the true sort of epitome of factory. 
Yet you could go out and buy a frame, but you couldn't go out and buy all of these bits at the time. You couldn't go and, and source all of this stuff. It was, you know, literally handmade yeah. for those guys. It's it's the coolest thing. And and what's what's really cool is our friend Paul Aston, mm. who also has a massive appreciation for this bike, he went out and got his mate to replicate it in in so he's kind of brought this uh, dream to reality hasn't he, he he's yeah. gone out and built the equivalent of this which is super cool it's a really yeah. cool bike that he's built uh, and and clearly gets on with really well yeah it's got like it's got all the all of the modern geometry it's made from steel it's got the right color scheme it's got the upside down forks it's got the high pivot you know it it looks absolutely incredible and you know doth doth thy hats to Paul Aston yeah, like it, what a exactly job. Exactly. I mean, even things like the fork where we don't see many inverted forks kicking around because of the issues related to them. But if you look at that old boss fork, massive axle, yeah, like massive with a custom hub, obviously, because that's all it would accept. I think it was maybe 25 mil. Mm. I mean, I know Fox had one. Fox had the equivalent of their... 40 inverted and i think they ended up on like a 30 mil solid oh, wow. steel axle for a bit just but then the you look at up, yeah yeah exactly and then you look at the the lower crown had three pinch bolts either side whereas most of them you know when you see them nowadays two then just one at the top this had two at the top yeah two on the steerer yeah it was huge crowns as well they're massive aren't they they're chunky. really deep yeah big old big old things yeah that bike I mean, I think in my head, you sort of think, oh, I could probably jump on that and it'd be really cool. It probably would feel quite dinky and high. Yeah. But I bet the suspension is still really good. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, you watch like old videos of Nico riding it and oh my you know, God. Like the, those grass, the grass tracks of old school DH with like mm. massive braking bumps in there and he's just gobbling them up. He's absolutely devouring them. I'm trying to think if it was where it maybe grouse mountain mm. there was a section where it's like huge or maybe it was veil one of those two places there was like a series of these huge drops absolutely massive and then you just you watch him just barely move as his bike just plops off each one and he's going so fast other riders are just getting bucked and thrown off here there and everywhere and he's just like boop, 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 yeah. incredible yeah. i think it was veil i think there was a world's there yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Amazing. And I, I guess except for Aston's um modern reimagination of it, which, you know, once again is absolutely incredible. Fair play. Fair play, mm. mate. Um, I think maybe the closest we've got to this level of modern design is is potentially the the shrouded in mystery specialized mm. in terms of like the complexity of the suspension setup, like the design, not necessarily the design of the frame, but you know, the bespoke kind the of factory feel. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, and I know uh, Louis' mechanic Jack. You know, with all the data acquisition, and they're super, super hot on setup. And you can see that when Louis and Finn ride their bikes at, at the races, their suspension is insane. It looks so good, like it eating does. bumps. Yeah, like sitting deep in the travel, but never mm. bottoming out, absorbing bumps. And I, I guess you know that's probably the closest modern modern comparison we've got to the level of technicality that Nico was was at. It's the modern the day. day. It's modern day Nico, isn't it? Yeah. It's the modern yeah. day it's the modern day 
uh, Olivier Bossard and Nico Villiers. Yep, 100%. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Okay, so... so Sun, Sun just need to, you know, get back out there with a the downhill bike. Uh, you yeah. know, they threatened to do it back in 2000... Well, they sort of did it in 2008. Was it? Yeah, yeah, they had the they had a, a trail bike, wasn't it? It was the Kern or something, and then I think that they they almost brought the Radical back, or they well, did they, briefly. They did briefly, but then it kind of went away again. Yeah, shame. Yeah, it would be amazing to see. It really would. Um, mm. and bring back all the old school riders as well. Why not have a have a <laughs> get uh, out of retirement? Ma- yeah, masters, <laughs> masters, world champs, full domination. Imagine that. Yeah, Jesus, we are Go not on then, now, what, what what's your next bike then? Now? So from one iconic downhill bike to another, and I guess you can see where mine and Rob's roots are well and truly set, and that's the giant ATX1 DH. And my God, what a, what a bicycle. Like, mm. just visually, the colours, the yellow, the red, and the blue. Oh my God, it just, like, every time I think about it, and this is going to sound super geeky, I get a little shiver. I get a little shiver. It just looks <laughs> looks incredible, like... This was this was one of the bikes that I, I just lusted after. There was a, a giant dealership in, in my local town where I grew up in the south of England. And they actually had one on display in, in the shop. And I, I used to just go in there and just be a total pest and just stare at the thing. <laughs> Constantly asking questions. Oh, can I have a go, please, mate? Can I have a go? Obviously, no is the answer because it was just a display one. But, you know, this thing is an absolutely stunning bike. And it's also been ridden by some of the most you know, uh, prolific, iconic, well-known downhill racers. Just to, just to, to, to mention three, obviously, Rob Warner. How could you forget Rob Warner? Um, you know, Red Bull commentator now, but what a character back in the day. You know, Rob's world in the Sprung Video magazines. Mm-hmm. Particular one where him, Pagey, PT, uh, and I think others are, are doing uh, hotel room trials on their downhill bikes. Ah, uh, yes, with... Tim Ponton and those yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're all just like jumping around their hotel rooms on their downhill bikes, jumping between the beds, breaking and smashing everything. So local Scottish legend, Crawford Carrick Anderson, you know, what a boy. I remember his segment in one of the sprungs uh, with Stu Thompson in Aleven mm. and the downhill tracks there. And those boys absolutely shredding. And then to Miles Rockwell, uh, American, you know, American racer with a, a slightly more jaded recent history, but... Um, no less, no less the legend. And, you know, this bike was ridden from 98 to 2000 to really quite impressive World Cup success against the competition like Nico Vulios on these, you know, completely custom bikes. Um, the Giant was one that you could go to your local Giant dealer and you could buy the exact bike that they were riding. Boxer 151s, you know, the, the Boxer 151 Pro with six inches of travel and the Super Deluxe Rear Shock included in that. You know, the hope, I think they were... Were they, were they C2s or were they O2s? I can't, I can't remember exactly. C2s. But yeah, yeah, which meant that, that that meant that they didn't have the reservoir adjuster on them. No, they did they? Was the closed mm. one with the reservoir or without? Uh, well, either remember. way, oh, I, I, think, I, think the, I think the C2 was the one that had the reservoir adjuster. Yes, the C2 did have, it was like, yeah, the sort of little silver dial that sat on top, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that basically, it's, it's the equivalent now to your, to your pad contact adjuster, basically. Mm-hmm. But because of, because of the nature of the brakes and um, you know the rigors of old school riding, 
you basically use it to counteract brake pump. You, you weren't adjusting your bike point. You, you, you were constantly twiddling this dial, potentially whilst you were riding as your brakes heated up just to give you a bit more lever, lever travel because otherwise they'd have pumped right up. Incredible things. And people say it's the good old days. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still there on the good old days thing. Four finger braking. Yeah, I mean, you know. Whilst trying like, to adjust the... Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Um, and I think, you know, it's this, it's the box section frame, it's the, the down tube strut. So the support that ran from basically just underneath the head tube to the bottom bracket that sort of enclosed the, enclosed the shock, I suppose, within, within the frame and that, that thin strut and the box section mainframe. I mean, wow, the thing just looks incredible. That they made some quirky looking bikes, didn't they? Yeah. So the, the bike after the ATX one, which was basically a prototype VPP bike that had the shock, I, I can't remember exactly, I think it might be mounted in a similar position, but it had a twin link, v, not a VPP design, it was a twin link virtual pivot bike. And, and that was the precursor to the, to the glory, basically, um, which came quite a few years later. Um, I, I remember reading and, and hearing actually from racers that it suffered from brake jack, like no tomorrow, like it was really tough to ride that thing. So what would that been, the DH team? I think it was called a DH team. Yeah, it was called the DH team, but it was a, you know, it was a virtual pivot point bike, basically. And one of my, another local bike shop and a shout out to, to these people. They sponsored me when I was a kid. It was, uh, back then it was called Weymouth Cycle Center. Um, and Andy, Andy Leach was the guy or st still, still runs it actually. It's called Mud, Sweat and Gears now. He, he had or has one hanging up on his, on his wall. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible looking thing. Um, I was always wanting to ride it, but it, it was literally just a, you know, a dis display only. You could see where mm -hmm. they, where they, um, masking taped the paint lines <laughs> and, and like, you know, put, pulled it off giant. Um, and that I get, so the, the other thing I guess about the DH team was that I think it had, it had roughly five inches of rear wheel travel. Uh, sorry, not the DH team, the ATX one, it had roughly five inches of rear wheel travel, but a lot of people bought new, new rockers for it. Yeah, to boost um, it, yeah. Yeah, to boost it. And I, I, some people went up to eight inches on that thing, which, you know, obviously played havoc with the rest of the bike's geometry. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just, I, I just can't get over the looks of it. And I, I think maybe the, the reason why this has really got a place in my heart was um, growing up, growing up as a kid, one of my mates had one. And, uh, we, you know, we used to ride together. And uh, he... He, he came out to visit me when I was living in France and um, he, he kind of, he, he was kind of over, over biking and basically he, he gave me, gave me his, his DH team, uh, sorry, his ATX one. Sorry, I keep, keep saying that. And uh, I've got it, I've got it in the garage to this very day. Amazing. Just sitting there. Yeah. And it's got the original brakes. It's got the custom AC chain device. Oh, those things were so loud. Yeah, they were. Oh my they just... Lord. I mean, they yeah. worked. Yeah. But dear yeah. Lord, the springs yeah. used to snap, didn't they? And yeah. then they used to just go, kah, 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 kah. Yeah. floppy cable tie up to the chainstay. A hundred percent, and that's exactly what this one's got. It's got the yeah. cable t cable tie on the on the chainstay. Because <laughs> I, I know you, you actually raced this bike, didn't you, Rob? We, yeah. So Luke and I, um, yeah, we we had well, we actually started on uh, twos, ATX twos. Which uh, sorry, just to interrupt, I think they were were they like metallic blue and green. So it's no, basically the same. The, that was the second year. So the first year okay. they came out, they were like a, for want of a better way to describe it, pissy yellow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pissy yellow. And then I basically changed most of the stuff on mine. So I had Hope C2s, 151 boxers. 
Yeah. So it's more or less, I guess, the equivalent of a one. But I absolutely love that bike. Yeah. I managed to, I guess I've always been a bit of a fettler. So when um, when Tim Flukes left RockShox originally and set up TF Tuned, I went down to visit him because it wasn't that far for me. And he sold me a shock that he he was just like, look, it was just left on the truck from some Swiss rider. So I had, I ended up with this like one-off custom shock on my bike. That thing, honest to God, that bike was so good. I sold it. I can't remember what for. I think it was to pay my rent <laughs> when I was at university. Oh, no. <laughs> so, but man, I love that bike. It was so good. They were so, so good. I think just at the time, like you were saying, you could go out and buy a bike that they were racing yeah. World Cups on. Yeah. And it was so trick. It worked so well. Yeah. It was just, it was incredible. If you had one, you were basically like, well, I don't, all I need to do is work on my rider now. The bike yeah. can't get better. Yeah. 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 Because uh, like you were saying earlier, it came with the Michelin tires already on mm-hmm. it. Like that was the, the stock tires. So you already like winning there. It had like the Mavic wheels. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Shimano XT. I want to say, drivetrain. Maybe on the one. It also came with like an Azonic, I can't remember what the stem was called, the, the yeah. big machine yeah, yeah. square yeah. things. I think it was, it was probably 80 mil. Yeah. Perfect. The right length. <laughs> For some things. <laughs> period, Bridges. period correct. <laughs> <laughs> period correct, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was like an off the peg it was kind of like when Trek brought out the Session 88. So yeah. Yeah. when that thing launched, it couldn't get better. You bought a bike that you could just go and race on from the get-go. And I think the most expensive bike cost three grand, three and a half. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot back then in today's money. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot back then. But, th- but that was it. That was the peak. Mm. There was nothing more than that. That was like... That was it. That was your that was your ceiling in terms of performance and spend and everything. So if you got one or you got a bike that you could upgrade to that, that was it. And that the ATX served everyone so well, whether you were sponsored by them, whether you were privateers, you know, it's one of those bikes that will always live fondly in so many racers' memories. Yeah. Because it was so solid. Yeah. Of course, you know, if you wanted if you were to reimagine it now, you know, they've They've kind of they bought back the paint scheme, which yeah. is so cool to see on the latest yeah. glory. Yeah. It doesn't have maybe the same sort of uh quirky frame designs. But yeah, it was so cool what they were doing back then. And um obviously that heritage now is starting to uh pay dividends. That that you know, they've got such a strong team now and it's they do yeah. so iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that bike coming down at a World Cup, right? And you're like, holy moly, it's it's an ATX one. Oh no, wait, it's the new glory. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Gets you, gets you all revved up. It certainly gets me revved up anyway. Exactly. Yeah, it's great to see it doing well. Or great to see Giant doing well again. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, under their amazing riders. Well, that's absolutely amazing, Rob. It's been been a really cool, cool to chat about these blasts from the past. Trip down memory lane. Yeah, absolutely. And as as <laughs> As, as Rob said earlier, you know, if, if you agree, disagree, want to add add to our list, please, please do email us uh, at podcast at biteradar.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, we hope you enjoy this episode as much as we've loved, loved prattling on about, about our favorite bikes <laughs> and how we'd like to see them, see them come back. Thank you so much, Rob, for your time. Oh, cheers, Al. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, catch you again.
Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 